The next day was Saturday. We met at my barn. How do you spy on horse controllers? How do you observe the actions of a group of horses with yurks in their heads? That was the question. We morph horses, of course, I said as I pried open the jaw of the fox who had been eyeing me hungrily when I was an osprey the day before. I popped a pill in his mouth, held it shut, and blew on his nose to make him swallow. Horses? Didn't you morph a horse once? Jake asked me. Yes, I morphed one of our horses. It was amazing. But we have one problem. We only have the one horse here right now. She's got distinctive markings. And we can't exactly go walking around the drylands looking identical. Identical horses? Marco mused. Sweet Valley horses. Hmm, that could be a TV show. We were all there together, all six of us, including Axe. Axe was in his human morph. Once again, I was struck by just how weirdly handsome he was. It was strange how you could see little hints of Rachel, Marco, Jake, and me in him. There were some expressions, sometimes when he smiled, for instance, when it was like looking in a mirror and seeing a male me. It was a little creepy. Horses. Horror. Horror. Horses-a, Axe said. Marco spread his hands wide, palm up. Is that it, Axe? Or was there more to your comments? Horses are quadrupeds, Axe said. Much more sensible than walking around, perched on two rickety legs like humans do. Rickety. Rickety. Is that a funny word? Yeah, rickety is hysterical. Rachel said. So, where do we find six different horses for us to morph? The gardens? Tobias suggested. I closed the fox's cage and wiped my hands on my jeans. All they have at the gardens are exotic horse breeds. We want horses who look like horses. Mentioning the gardens reminded me of the sign-up sheet at the base. Should I mention it? No, it probably wasn't important. How about one of the farms around here? Jake suggested. I shook my head. Everyone around here knows me. If they walked in on us... The racetrack, Rachel said. They have tons of horses out there. Usually a couple dozen, at least. I've gone there with my dad. Last weekend, in fact. That's his idea of a cool place to take his daughters on visitation day. Did he let you bet? Marco wondered. My dad placed it for me. Two dollars on Chase Me Charlie to show. He came in second. I won three dollars. I stared at my friend. You think you know everything about a person. Then, suddenly, you find out something new. Humans bet. On horses. To see which is faster? Axe asked. What do you bet? Money. What else? Marco asked. Money. Ah, yes. Money. I always forget about humans and their money. 
Jake looked at his watch. He was getting that slightly exasperated look he gets sometimes when no one is sticking to business. Okay, look, we go to the track. No one bets. We acquire some horse DNA, then we fly out to the drylands and spy on the modest horses. Again? Marco moaned. That's what we do every Saturday. When are we going to get to do something original? Can I ask one question? Tobias asked. Why would the Yurks be taking over the bodies of horses? Good question, Jake asked. It has to be about Zone 91, Marco said. I mean, what is it? Coincidence? It may be about Zone 91, but not the way you think, Marco, I suggested. Who knows what the Air Force is really doing out there? Maybe they're testing some new superweapon the Yurks are afraid of. Axe laughed. A human weapon that would frighten the Yurks. That isn't possible. Sibyl. Pa-sibyl. I felt a little insulted on the behalf of the human race. But Axe was probably right. Look, I just don't see where the Yurks would care about some kind of alien ship that may be hidden out there. It's nuts. Unless... Unless maybe they don't know if the stupid conspiracy theory is true or not. I have to confess, I don't really understand what you all are talking about, Axe said. However, the Yurks would know if there was something non-human anywhere on the planet's surface. Their sensors could do an analysis of the alloys. After all, the Yurks are not exactly on the level of Endolites, but they aren't totally primitive. They would be able to detect the presence of alloys, plastic composites, or live metals, the sort of things spaceships are built from. I know Axe doesn't mean to sound condescending, but sometimes he ends up sounding that way just the same. Of course, then he'll kind of spoil the whole Mr. Spock command a data thing by saying something like, Is wood tasty? Is it good to eat? Yeah, but you want to use plenty of salt, Marco replied. Jake looked troubled. You know, it would be really bizarre if the whole conspiracy thing turned out to be true. I mean... What if the government really has been hiding some alien spacecraft out at Zone 91? What is Zone 91? Axe asked. For one thing, I'd have to apologize to Marco, Rachel said. But for another thing, maybe whatever it is they have hidden out there at Zone 91 really could be used to penetrate the secrets of York technology. Well, we'd better find out, Jake said. First stop? The racetrack. And what exactly is a racetrack? Axe asked. Exactly. Chapter 13 It wasn't far to the racetrack. We decided to fly. We all had seagull morphs, except Axe and Tobias. We figured seagulls wouldn't be too obvious flying around the racetrack barns and paddocks whereas an entire sky full of birds of prey might be. So we all morphed seagulls, Axe did his harrier, and Tobias stayed Tobias. Flying as a seagull is the same as flying as an osprey in most ways. But in some ways, it can be very different. You have to flap a lot more, you fly closer to the ground, and seagull brains have a different way of looking at the world than bird of prey brains. Seagulls are scavengers. We flopped up and away from the barn, 
working our sharp-edged, swept-back, white-and-gray wings. Axe and Tobias soared far overhead, watching the sky for other predators. But for the four of us seagulls, the trip was all one long garbage dump. Look, a Butterfinger wrapper. I think there's some left. Look at that Burger King dumpster. Oh man, it's loaded with french fries and leftover burger. Oh, 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 cheese puffs. No way, someone threw out a half-eaten chicken leg. Extra crispy. Wouldn't that be cannibalism? Didn't we have this discussion before? Hey, it's extra crispy. I love extra crispy. Now, yes, we could have struggled harder to control the seagull's mental obsession for anything even approaching food. But it would have been hard. And to tell the truth, it was kind of fun. Seagulls can spot food you wouldn't even think of. You'd be amazed the stuff people just throw away. Look, out behind the Papa John's! Pepperoni! Anyway, we eventually made it to the racetrack, without actually pausing to scarf any garbage. From the air, the track was a big, long, dirt oval, outlined with a white rail fence. There was a high, covered grandstand on one side, and various long, narrow horse barns stretching out behind the stands. The parking lot was about half full with cars and trucks pulling horse trailers. There was a good crowd of people up in the seats and milling around beside the track itself. Out in the middle of the oval track was a big electronic tote board. It was already posting the odds for the first race. Anyone see a good place to demorph? Rachel asked. There must be some empty stalls in those barns, Tobias suggested. Just fly in and land. Or we could go check out the trash behind the clubhouse. Marco suggested. Seagulls. Tobias sneered. You might as well be pigeons. I guess to a hawk, calling someone a pigeon is a pretty bad insult. We swooped low and fast along the back wall of a barn. The stalls were in two long rows, opening out to the outside on one side, and into the long connecting hallways on the other side. Sure enough, about half the stalls were empty, I turned a sharp left, seagulls can turn amazingly fast, and shot, zoom, straight in through an open stall door. I landed on the dirt hay. Looks okay in here, I called to the others. Zoom, 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 zoom. The others flew in and landed near me. Then we began to demorph. It was easy, no problem. Just one slight difficulty we'd overlooked. When you demorph, you have to return to your normal body. For Rachel and Jake and Marco and me, that meant human. But for Axe, that meant Andalite. Chapter 14 Okay, everyone, demorph. Jake said. Tobias, you want to go human or stay as you are? I have to stay in hawk shape if I'm going to acquire a horse. In fact... While you guys demorph, I'll go ahead and try to find a horse I like. See, you have to be in your original form if you're going to acquire a new morph. And, sad as it may be, Red-Tailed Hawk is now Tobias's true body. Tobias flew off, keeping his wings tight in the narrowness of the barn. I began to demorph. My swept-back white wings grew fingers. My tiny legs sprouted up and up and up. 
my yellowish beak spread and softened to become lips. And one thing was becoming clear. Four kids and an andalite are kind of crowded in a single stall. Everyone was about 90% human, and Axe was about 90% andalite, when, suddenly, without warning, I found myself staring at two old, old men. One was chewing the end of a slobbery cigar. They were looking over the stall door. What the? What are you kids doing in that stall? And what in the name of all that's holy is that? What they were seeing was four kids who seemed to be wearing leotards decorated with feathers. And one really, really unusual creature like nothing either had ever seen before. Axe, keep your head down, I hissed. I leapt to get between the two old men and Axe's tail. In case you've never seen an Andalite in person before, and obviously you haven't, let me explain. Andalites look like a weird cross between a deer, a horse, a scorpion, and a human. They have the bodies of slender horses or large deer, except that their fur is blue and tan. Their upper bodies seem almost human until you get to the head, which is so totally not human you'd never mistake it. Like I said earlier, Andalites have no mouths. They eat by absorbing grass up through their hooves as they run, and they communicate telepathically with thought-speak. Plus, there's the whole eye thing. Andalites have four eyes. Two are right where you'd expect them to be. The other two are at the end of flexible stalks atop their heads. You know the little horn-like things giraffes have? Picture those, only flexible, and with an eyeball at the end. And finally... There's the tail. It's long, and it ends in a scythe-shaped blade that could topple the tree faster than you can see. The tail is what I was trying to hide from the old men. I could only hope that Axe would have the sense to keep his upper body lowered. I asked what you kids are doing in that stall, the cigar man said more sharply this time. Um, grooming our horse, I offered. Rachel's eyebrows shot up. Our horse? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. Grooming our horse. She reached over and stroked Axe's back. Small for a horse, the second man said skeptically. What are you feeding that poor swayback nag? Horse food, Marco said. Horse food? Yeah, uh, you know, horse food. Boy, you should see how many cans this guy can eat. Man. All day long, I'm opening cans of horse food and filling his dish. The two men stared. The cigar man moved his cigar to the other side of his mouth. (laughs) I practically screamed. He's such a kidder. Of course, we're not feeding our horse food from cans. We're feeding him alpha alpha and hay. Like you'd feed any horse. My friend is such a joker. Total joke machine. Plus, he's a moron. Rachel added. Your horse is blue, the second man observed. Never seen a blue horse. Never seen kids wearing feathers on their faces either, Cigar said. And I've seen a lot of things in my time. Jake was looking at me, waiting for me to come up with an answer. So was Rachel. So was Marco. Our horse was blue. There was no denying that. And yes... We had white and gray feathers sticking out of the sleeves and collars of our morphing suits. We like blue horses, I said lamely. 
Someday all horses will be blue, Jake agreed. You kids step out of there. This ain't right. Not any part of this. Step out of there and let me see what... I felt, rather than saw, the twitch that ran through Axe's body. Axe, no! I yelled. Whap, whap! He struck with his deadly tail, but not at the men. In less than half a second, he had sliced the overhead railing that framed the stall. He'd sliced right through it in two places. The railing, a chunk of eight by eight lumber, fell directly on the men's heads. Ow! Run! Jake cried. We stumbled and piled over the two groaning men. Four kids and a very strange blue horse. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a flash of brown and russet feathers. I leave you guys alone for two minutes, Tobias said. And what have you done? Get them! Stop those kids! We were off and running between the stalls. Axe was morphing to human as he ran. I was finishing my demorph, losing the last of the feathers. Outside the barn, crowds of people were milling around, waiting for the first race. Get out of here! Out into the grandstands! Jake yelled. We can lose them in the crowd. Then, wham! A stall door flew open right in front of me. It cut me off from the others. I dodged around it, but too slowly. Someone grabbed my ankle. I sprawled face down on the concrete. Cassie! Jake yelled. He started back for me, but now there were people pouring into the barn. Stable hands, jockeys, horse trainers, and owners, all worried about what we might have done to their horses. I looked down. It was some teenager who had my ankle. I got one of them! He yelled. I didn't want to kick him. I didn't want to hurt him. He was just a guy, probably, not a controller. I got this one! I got this guy! Guy? Excuse me? Guy? I wasn't even wearing overalls or anything. Okay, maybe the workout suit I was wearing for morphing was less than stylish, but hey, guy? Now I wanted to kick him. Whap! I kicked his hand loose. Sorry, I said and scrambled to my feet. I looked around frantically. No Jake, no Rachel, no Axe or Marco or Tobias. All I saw was the back end of what looked like a small mob, chasing someone down the far end of the barn. I dodged behind the fallen teenager and threw myself into a stall. Take it easy, boy, I whispered to the big golden stallion in the stall. Take it easy. Easy. Normally, animals love me. This one didn't. <laughs> I had two choices. Get out of that stall and be captured. Or stay in the stall and be trampled. So I chose option number three. See, when you acquire an animal's DNA, it seems to put them in kind of a trance. They remain very calm. Which is how it's possible to acquire a grizzly bear. So I pressed both my hands against the heaving flank of the big horse, and I focused my mind. He grew calm and quiet. His DNA flowed into me. It became a part of me. One of them's still in this barn somewhere, I heard a voice say. Well, if you want to be inconspicuous in a horse barn, what are you going to do? Exactly. I started to morph the horse.
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, no, no, no real big announcements here this week, uh, other than rest in peace, uh, Richard's Animorph Forums, uh, PDF slash ebook hosting section. Um, there were some articles floating around the past couple of weeks. I got tagged in a bunch on Facebook, uh, about, about that site. And I guess maybe that brought a little too much heat up on them. And, uh, it looks like it's been taken down, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, but never fear, uh, while I was trying to figure out what was going on, it looks like this has happened before to them and they came back, so I'm not worried about them. And don't worry about this podcast, I did, uh, go out and find some more PDFs <laughs> to read from. Uh, so this podcast will continue until Scholastic comes knocking at my door and forces me to close, uh, but not before then. Uh, I don't really have anything else here, so just, you know, uh, check out theapodcalypse.com. That's my website. Uh, be sure to leave me a rating and review if you use Apple Podcasts. Uh, tell a friend if you'd like, you know, uh, everyone's everyone's on quarantine. It's a great time to start listening to some Animorph books. Uh, if you'd like to reach me about this podcast or about life, about your hopes, your dreams, your fears, any of that, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com and I will uh, see you all next week. Remember to wash your hands. My name is Daniel and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.